Today we have on my good buddy and friend Trevor Morrison. It's a Friday night here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're just vibing. We're having a good time. I wanted to bring Trevor on. It's been funny and exciting. I've been doing some reflecting. It's the last day of the month, and uh, just to see how far we've come in the past couple months. Trevor had me on his podcast, Thoughts from a Balcony. What was that, four or five months ago now? So you're talking about the first time? The first time, yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably four or five months, definitely in, in 2022. Yeah, it was in 2022. I want to say around like, ooh, might have been November. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting right there on my floor on a Zoom <laughs> interview with him on a, on a Wednesday night. And uh, towards the end of it, he brought up the idea of, you know, you got to chase something. Because I was kind of hinting at what I wanted to do, which is what we're doing now. Yeah. And I... Uh, I'll be forever indebted to uh, to you for making me take that next step. And Trevor's been a big part of my life ever since graduating from college and trying to find my whereabouts in this thing we called life. So welcome on, brother. I appreciate you coming. Dude, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to come into this gigantic apartment. <laughs> 2,000 square feet. Insane. The middle of Shaker Heights. Um you know, we got to work out in a little bit. I wouldn't even call it a workout more. Just a little a prime, little, little prime before the podcast, which I appreciated. And dude, I'm just so proud of you and so happy for you to be doing this podcast and be able to have conversations. And I'm glad I could spark that in you because it was, it was in you at all times. Sometimes you just need somebody to give you a little bit of support and a little bit of a helping hand. So I'm grateful that I was that person for you, man. And like you said, we've gotten really, really close since you've graduated. Um, you know, you've been a good friend to me. I've been able to talk through certain things I've got going on in my life and, and vice versa. So deeply appreciate how close we've gotten in, in the past couple of years. And yeah, dude, a lot of big things coming up. A lot of exciting things. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the podcast. I'll be dropping your episode pretty soon. I'm hoping for... That's Next, our second episode. Yeah, second episode in the new studio, which yeah. is extremely exciting. Um, we'll be dropping that pretty soon. And then yeah, dude, I'm getting married in, in May, like first week of May. So that's, that's crazy. Soon. You got yeah. your bachelor party coming up, the, yep. the wedding. It's going to be a, a grand old time. And uh, yeah, so Trevor has his podcast, Thoughts from a Balcony. You recorded... 22 or so 25 episodes like that, on yeah. zoom and mm -hmm. then made a crazy connection and uh now has his own little studio set up which is sick it's got a bunch of mics um it's so crazy to go from you know we were talking about it like being through the computer and then having the headset on and like it's a whole new experience especially being in person and once i did yours uh like with the headphones and everything, I was like, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, this is such a, an intimate way to have a conversation. And I also want to congratulate you. I, I sent you that statistic that like what 90% of podcasts don't make it past the third episode. And mm -hmm. I understand why now I, this, I've still only posted one podcast cause it's, it's difficult. Like I'm not, I'm not in film. I'm not in video. I'm not, I have no audio or experience with mics and it's difficult when like you're trying to line all these different things up and see how it works and it can be frustrating man so hats off to you for for uh taking that step and you're really like you're taught when you look at the numbers your podcast is in the top one percent in terms of 
how many you've been able to produce. Just getting over 21 is in the top one percentile because I think a lot of people start it and not a lot of people are able to stick with it because it is it is difficult. And it seems like it's something that a lot of people want to get into, but a lot of people aren't also willing to, I guess, put in the time and have the you know, ambition to keep on interviewing people. I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit about it and just say like, what is your, cause you're not, you're not making any money from this, from what I, uh, from what I know. So what is your ambition? Where does your drive come from to reach out to people and say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested. I want to, I want to have a, you know, a thoughtful conversation and record it. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that answer. The first piece being, I absolutely love doing this. So regardless of whether or not I'm making any money from it, I'd still be doing it. Obviously, I'm not making any money. <laughs> um, but there's so much more value gained other than just a monetary value. I think a lot of people, including mm. myself, especially coming out of college, you're so focused on, you know, you want to provide for yourself you want to provide for a future family you want to get a good job with you know a good salary and you know have benefits all that stuff but we we forget about all the other things that add to us as a human being like relationships like pursuing a goal or pursuing a hobby or passion whatever it is those things make us who we are way more than the job we have or the salary we have. Mm -hmm. So to me, podcasting has been that passion hobby, this passion project rather that I think about every single day. I'm constantly thinking about like, how can I make this better? Who should I have on next? What do I want to learn? That's another question too, is like, how do I want to get better? So, you know, just, going off the latest episode I just recorded with Karin Spear, yeah. who is extremely spiritual and, you know, kind of going back to what do I want to learn? A big hole, I think, in my life was that spiritual piece. Mind, body, I think I got it figured out pretty well. Obviously, I don't have anything figured out, but I'm making the right steps to make myself better in my mind and my body. But the spiritual aspect was one I've just always felt it's just been very different to me and I didn't know where to get started. And I know it's, it's something I should incorporate into my lifestyle, but didn't really know how. So when I had Karen on, we talked for like a good 30, 45 minutes about her spiritual practice, how she went from religion to more of like a native American practice and what they believe in and their values and how it serves her in her daily life. So it's just been such an amazing tool for me to just talk to people and learn more about where their head is at. What experiences do they go through? How are they navigating through this life? You know, like you mentioned earlier, like this crazy thing we call life. It's so hard to fucking navigate through it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like there's so much going on at all times. We have work, we have jobs, we have, we have work jobs, we have work, we have, fam <laughs> we have families, we have, you know, likes and interests and all these things we want to do. And it's really hard to balance all that out and really focus on the things that truly matter in your life. And, you know, I've been really lucky to have this 
internal passion of podcasting. Um, not even close to where I want it to be right now. Um, but that's the fun of it, right? Like that's the process. And you mentioned about like the audio quality and the video quality and everything. Like when I first started, it was very grainy video. The audio is shitty. I think I had like a $40 mic from Amazon. Um, but I didn't care. Like it was more, it was more for the fact of like, I'm getting to have conversations with really cool people. And then I get to like provide a platform for a lot of my friends to tell their stories because I love this quote. And I don't know if I, I don't, I don't want to take credit for it. Cause I think I gained inspiration off of this mental health coach, um, that's been speaking at our work lately. And he talked about when you give people the opportunity to talk, you give them the chance to empower themselves. And I love that. And I think, I think my goal with my podcast is less about me and less about getting out my ideas and my thoughts and more about just having this, this place where we can discuss things openly. And maybe you say something I don't necessarily agree with, or maybe it's something that I really detest, but regardless of how I feel in that moment, we can have a conversation and we can maybe find some common ground on issues that I never would have thought otherwise. So long winded answer. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so excited to see where this progresses and who else I continue to have on. Um, and shit, man, you know, this is the third time we've hopped on mics and had a conversation. So it's going to be really cool to see where our relationship continues to evolve, um, you know, on the mics and outside of the mics. So, um, yeah, dude, I, I love it. I wouldn't change it for a thing and we'll see where it goes for sure. And there's, there's so much insight to be gained through different conversations. And there's this, there's these times when you have conversations and you're just kind of on pilot mode, but when you really throw a headset on and you know that, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's an intimate conversation. There's so much value to be gained from it. And I've always been a fan of podcasts. I, I listen to podcasts nonstop. And just today, you know, listening to podcasts, I can I can take information, take, you know, what was coming through that conversation and gain something from it. You know, like I was listening to Luke Combs on Joe Rogan and he explained, you know, he's a bigger guy and he was talking about, you know, starting his weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. And Joe was dissecting his mindset as to why, you know, clearly it's been 30 so years and he's never been able to conquer it. That's a deep conversation, tough conversation to have. Probably hasn't had it with too many people yeah, and probably doesn't want to say it to the whole world. Especially, yeah. Especially on a podcast where millions of people are listening. Right. Tough conversation for sure. And he read He said something that resonated with me. Like, cause I've, I've never dealt with those sort of issues mm-hmm. and I've, I understand where they come from. I was luckily coming up, you know, uh, was in a healthier environment than a, I guess people that might face weight loss issues later on in life. But, uh, he said, I feel like I've been standing at the bottom of a mountain and every time I try to run up, I just fall back to the bottom mm. and I'm like, that makes sense. Like that makes sense. And like to have something like that to reference, when, you know, you work with clients 
you work with people who are, you know, trying to work and uh, trying to better themselves in the physical realm. But like you said, with Karin, um, yeah, there's so many different conversations that you have and you can better yourself. And it always doesn't have to be yourself, you know, like Mm -hmm. it might be your ability to, um, you know, relate to someone that's going through something just from that conversation, you know, that I listened to today. And it's such a, a great thing to listen to intentional conversations because in turn, there's no way that you cannot gain anything from it, you know? And I just, I love the idea of the podcast. I want to thank you again uh, for bringing it up and, and holding me accountable. And I'm excited to have you on today and pick your brain. You got some cool things going on in your life right now. You got your wedding coming up. Yeah, man. Um, I was at your gym last week. I know you've been doing some online training for the last year or two and have had some successful clients and that's been working out well for you. But you also recently started out a rock climbing gym, which is a little bit off the wall because, you know, I know (laughs) you don't have like no pun intended, no pun intended, a little bit off the wall for sure. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, I want to, how did you, how did this opportunity come about? You know, it's, uh, it's funny to see like the different avenues and the different ways people get to where they're at. And I think you have a, a pretty cool story as to where you found this place and, and how you're working there. Yeah, dude, it is a pretty wild story and it kind of ties in with the podcast setup too. So probably about a, actually a year ago, exactly. Me and Carly decided to move into a new place and we would have never moved in there if we didn't have a terrible winter last year, like she used to have to park on the street and dude, it was such a hassle trying to shovel her out and get her car ready for work. And it was just a mess. And every, like, especially in the winter, like every day she would come in pissed, like, Oh, I can't believe we got to deal with this. Like I need a driveway or need something, whatever. Right. So our lease is up within, I think it was like February and then March. Uh, we could either resign or move. So we made the decision like, all right, let's go look for a couple places. We find this one place that's like five minutes away and it's a duplex. We're going to be on the lower half of the deep duplex. Really cool, man. Nice little, uh, like outdoor porch area. We got a garage space. It was just perfect. Like it was a perfect setup for us. Um, and the people upstairs were moving out in like a couple months. So it was cool. So they ended up moving out. We were chilling by ourselves for like two, three months. So this is probably like four or five months into us living there now. And I remember our land landlord was showing people the upstairs unit. And I remember telling Carly, like, man, I hope someone weird doesn't move in. Like, this is going <laughs> to suck. Like, I, I don't want someone to be just like a, an, a weirdo and like complain about us playing music or any of that stuff. But it honestly worked out like it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, this guy moves in like older gentleman, single guy, probably like, yeah, probably like mid sixties. I don't even know how old, how old Randy is. Um, but like a little out of shape, you know, like I didn't really know what to think of the guy. Like I was like, who is this guy? You know, after a couple, like seeing each other passing through, we have a couple of conversations, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I found out he does music and he works at this studio. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we're talking about like me doing a podcast and like kind of what I do with online training. And I, I started training people in person and 
Um, so he hooks me up with like the studio connection where he's like, dude, I got this open space in my studio. We're going to be leaving pretty soon. Like no one's using it. Do you want to just come in and like set it up how you want to? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's how that all started. But to your question about the rock climbing gym. So Randy goes to church down. I think it's in the flats. I, I can't remember the name. It's like King's church or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad. I don't remember the name, but he goes to church with the owner of the rock climbing gym. His name's Peter. And the rock climbing gym I work out is like a nonprofit completely. So anything they make at the end of the year gets sent to charity outside of like employee salaries and all that stuff. So it's really cool. Um, one of those organizations that I think it's like one of the three gyms in the entire U S I could be wrong in that, but it's a small number of gyms who are nonprofit. Right. And next thing you know, he like gives me his card. He's like, Hey, he, you know, he mentioned something about looking for like a weightlifting coach. So why don't you just give him a, give him a call, like see what happens. So I ended up just getting a hold of him and saying, Hey Peter, you know, here's my resume. Here's what I've done. You know, I've been doing this for such a long time. Like, you know, my dad has been a personal trainer, physical therapist since I've been a little kid. I, I literally grew up in a gym. I've known nothing else for so long. Right. And um, ended up getting like my CPT last year, like early in last year. So I had all my certifications ready to go. Send them all my resume stuff. He's like, cool. Like, let's talk on the phone for a little bit. It was only supposed to be like a 15 minute conversation. It ends up being like an hour where you just connected. You know, you talk about those moments where you just relate to someone really well. I don't know what I was saying, but it just really struck a chord with him. So next thing you know, I'm like going up there meeting everybody around and the staff and it was just like a really like perfect click yeah um so he ends up saying like hey we want to we want to hire you and i'm in this place now where i'm working a nine to five i'm doing the podcast i'm doing online training as you mentioned and also doing not right now but i have had clients in person at another gym so he was very like open and understanding of like what I was doing. So it was a perfect setup for both of us. And I could just do as much as I could to get clients. And then that would be, that would be it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I, I promote everything on social media, reach out to the people that are currently members. And yeah, next thing you know, man, I'm been meeting some really, really cool people there. Um, been training some, some climbers in their pursuit of recovery and learning about mobility training and that's been such a blast for me and such an amazing opportunity uh, that i never ever would have thought would be possible yeah um, especially like a rock climbing gym i didn't even really know they existed <laughs> so, like i hate yeah. to say it like that i knew about shake, shake of rocks but never been i really but that was at right next to our school and nobody ever went did no, you ever go no yeah never. right never went it wasn't popular and we were both, it's funny too. Like when we talk about rock climbing, it is the exact opposite of what I've done in the past. Like a lot of the sports that I've been interested in, obviously football, you know, martial arts and, um, like all that explosive, aggressive, like just being an absolute animal and a savage. Like I love those types of, of sports, and rock climbing is obviously not that it's like, I like to call it like high level problem solving mm-hmm. that 
you have to use so much of your body. Like it's on the wall. You really, especially if it's a new route, you don't know what you're doing. Like your brain is thinking so much about like, how do I position my hand here? How do I move my body this way? How do I, you know, lean on this ledge here? Like it's, it's just so much to think about and so much technique and there's so much involved in the sport. Um, it's just been so cool to get involved in it, learn the community behind it. And, you know, you, you never know what type of people are in certain communities until you get involved in them. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a beautiful experience. I, like I said, I didn't expect this to ever happen, but I'm so damn happy it did. Cause it's opened amazing doors for me. And, um, you know, going outside of the money piece of it, it's just been like this huge developmental process for me as well. You know, I've learned to do a lot with less Cause they're, you know, they're a rock climbing gym, so they don't have all the fancy schmancy equipment in the weight room. Like mm-hmm. it's just, you saw it. I mean, it was just like a turf area and then right. you got like a couple racks, but you know, I've been doing it's all you need. Exactly. Exactly. You can do so much. A lot of times you do more with less. Um, and the more you complicate it, the less results you see, but yeah, it's been cool, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and I'm glad I've been able to have so many of my friends come up and climb and had this really cool experience where, you know, we're all just like, like you saw the other week, we're all just focused on one route and we're all like getting stuck at this one point and we're all trying to encourage the other person to like do this with their hands. And it's just, it's such a fun experience, man. Um, if, if you're listening and you've never rock climbed, give it a shot. Who knows? You might absolutely love it. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. And there's something about a community where, it's competitive like it is competitive especially i'm just talking about last weekend like if you're going to get up one of the one of the routes you know i want to get it obviously but also it's like that competitive support where like i'm happy as hell when you get that route but i'm like oh okay now i can take what you've done and try to implement it as well and it's not like where we've been in the past it's like with our competitive nature and playing football it's just so cutthroat sometimes where like it's inhumane to the point where like you don't care about the person like who's fighting for your spot. Like you want to start, you want to play every snap and like, yeah, they're your boy, but like it's very difficult within that scenario to, to want to, I don't want to say support. Like you obviously support them, but like you want to be, you want to be on the field every down. That's just the competitive nature that comes with it. And it's honestly freeing to be a part of a community um, where people just want you to do the best as competitive as it is, people just want you to do your best. And that's what mm-hmm. I've found with running after school. And I think it's more so up my alley than the whole football thing. the football thing served its purpose at the right time. I, I loved playing football, but, uh, there's something about being a part of a community where everyone wants you to, wants you to achieve greatness. I went to another rock climbing gym with, with uh, Barther and my girlfriend and his girlfriend. And it was just a Thursday night and like everyone's on the mats. Uh, everyone's trying different routes. Everyone's cheering each other mm-hmm. on. Like it's a, it's a super cool community to, uh, to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, so they have ladies night at no social on Thursday. And like, that's once again, like going back to, it's so different from what I've done in the past. <laughs> like I'm going up Thursday night. I'm like one of the only guys in the, in the place they're playing like female only music but 
like I'm having a great time climbing with all these ladies and like talking to them and hearing about their stories and hearing about maybe some of their mobility struggles. And yeah, man, it's been, it's been amazing. And, and going off your point with the football thing, I think I could go as even so far as far as saying you want to like destroy the guy in front of you. <laughs> like it's not about you don't care. Like you genuinely want to hurt the person in front of you. Yeah. I meant the person like, even like within your own team, like oh, when you're yeah. competing for a spot. So it'd be like me and Cal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So be, it's, yeah, no dude, I definitely, and that's a weird that. thing to navigate and you get through it obviously, but it's, it's weird. Like you want to show up on game day and you want to earn that starting position, but it sucks when it's one of your friends that isn't the one that's starting. Yeah. Actually, I heard this quote by Evan Britton. I might be butchering it a little bit, but he talks about his experience in football and how now he's a yogi and just doing something completely different, kind of similar to this rock climbing thing. And he says, he's like, people have no idea how much violence it took for me to become this peaceful. And it resonated so, so much with me because yeah. I was such a violent kid and I was so lucky to find football is this outlet for my violence and it really helped me manage my emotions really well um i loved it too like i'm not gonna lie like i love being aggressive i think it's just part of my human nature you know some of us are just built that way and we have this like instinctual masculine energy of violence and i think all men should genuinely be capable of it I, was, I think we're just really lucky to have that experience with football where we learn how to harness that energy and use it for something positive and constructive instead of just beating up people at the bar anytime you get drunk or something right. like that. So you said football helped you manage your emotions, right? So yeah. helped you manage your emotions while you were playing football or gave you the tools to manage your emotions outside of football? I think it was a little bit of both. And I think we we talk about this a lot too, Mm -hmm. where you need struggles and hardships to go through to just have the opportunity to show yourself who you are. And that's kind of what I'm saying when it allowed me to manage my emotions because I went through so many highs and lows of football, you know, like just thinking back to it, like end of senior year, high school, I genuinely felt like I was going to be the next Aaron Donald. Like I thought (laughs) I was a dog. And that I was riding such a high of like an amazing senior season, you know, all these like accolades at the end of the year, all Ohio, like, I don't think I was all Ohio, but like, you know, all news hair, like all those things. Right. And, um, such a high. And then I get into college and it was just like, yeah, it was such a huge low for me. And I didn't know how to handle it at the time, especially outside of the game. Um, But without those experiences of being able Mm. to like be violent and navigate those hardships, I don't think I'd be able to like go into work now and have something go wrong and me just like take a breath, be like, it's going to be fine. Like, you know what happens at the end of these terrible situations. Like you always seem to figure it out. Like just like our earlier today, like we were trying to set this podcast up. Right. <laughs> like I know you said you were a little nervous, like on like trying to figure all this stuff out and the audio stuff out, but yeah. right now we got it all figured out and it it always works itself out. Um anyways, yeah, I just I really am appreciative for football. Um that's something I've I've come to grips with lately. 
And I don't know if you listen to the Aubrey Marcus, Aaron Rodgers podcast at all. Uh-huh. You listen to that one? Yep. I loved what he said about football in general. And it was during that four-day span of when he was in darkness. I think it was like his third day where he decided that, okay, I'm not going to be playing football, right? Like yeah. I'm going to choose to retire. Right. And he said before, you know, he made that decision, he used to always think like he's well-rounded. Like he ended up winning a episode of Jeopardy he was hosting Jeopardy. He obviously has a ton, ton of interest. He um, is into art. He's into psychedelics. He's into all these different things. So in his mind, he was like, I'm good. Like I'm, I have plenty of things to do after I'm done. And I felt the exact same way before I was done with football. It was like, I had so many other hobbies and interests and a bunch of other stuff I wanted mm. to do. And I, I think I'm doing a lot of those now. Um, but I didn't pay the appropriate homage to the, to the game and what it did for me and what it meant to me at that time and what it still means to me. And he was very open about that too. And I, especially like the year after I quit playing ball, I like didn't even want to watch it. Like it was such a painful relationship with the game, you know, all my injuries and how my career ended and the coaches I had to go with and, or go, you know, work with rather. It was tough, man. Like it was so hard for me to look at football in a positive light. And it just took some time and reflection and understanding of like, dude, look at what this game has brought you. Like, think about, like, we were talking about my marriage. Dude, almost all those guys, I think maybe one guy didn't play football with me. The rest of the 20 dudes were all some of my teammates. Yeah. And, you know, you guys are my best friends that I could ever imagine. These are lifelong friendships. You know, I mentioned, like, all the struggles and hardships. They legitimately made me who I am. So I'm so grateful for them. Even Mm -hmm. the bad coaches who, you know, I felt treated, treated me and a lot of other players like dogs, like, thank you for those times because I am now able to be a strong grown ass man Mm -hmm. who can handle, you know, someone who's being shitty and understand that like they have their stuff that they're dealing with. If I'm going to have some type of emotional reaction, whether that's being sad or angry or whatever, that's on me. That's a hundred percent on me. And I learned that a lot of that through football. Um, and over time, obviously over time that kind of takes hold. It's not in the moment, especially when you're like under 21 or even under 20, like you don't know shit. You're kind of just doing it. Yeah. Um, but as, as you get older and you know, I'm sitting here now, I'm going to turn 26 this month. I've had so much time to reflect on my career and the ups and the downs and, the good things and the maybe not so good things. And, um, it's, it's all one, you know, it's, it's the entire experience I'm grateful for. I can't just say, oh, I'm just grateful for this experience that, cause they all compromise me as a whole. And, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. What would your advice be to someone who is finishing up a college sport, whether they, you know, played all those years or even high school, finishing up their career in a certain sport, and you know that a sport from our experience fills your bucket. Like you don't have to think much. It's there. The schedule's there. You do it. It fills your bucket and you feel good. 
you know, you feel good about it. That's why you play it. Yeah. Uh, as difficult as it is. So what is, and I don't know if fill your buckets the right term, but you know what I mean, right? No, absolutely. I so think you're right with that. What is, what, what would your advice be to someone who's, you know, feels like they're lost without their sport? Cause I th- I feel like it's so common. It's just like, yeah, it'll, it'll never be like that again. And I don't, I don't necessarily like that mindset. Cause I think every year should get better. And maybe I'm naive about that, that, uh, mindset, but what would you say to someone who is 18, 22, 26, just, just stopped playing and, uh, they're like, nothing will ever fill my bucket like that. Did you know, like how, how could I possibly find something that'll, uh, that'll make me feel that way. I love that you asked that question because helping former student athletes is something I've I felt extremely passionate about. Obviously, a lot of my friends are ex-student athletes, myself as a student athlete. And like you said, there's that period after your sport where this feeling of just complete uncertainty and feeling lost and angry, sad, wondering like, what the fuck am I going to do next? It's a scary, really, really scary thought. And I know my advice might might sound con- counterintuitive, but I would I would just tell everybody to embrace that emotion and mm-hmm. feel it and understand it and really understand why you feel that way. You know, I I recently lost like kind of like a second mom to me as my mom's best friend. And it was really really fucking hard on my mom, you know. It was like her best friend for 40 plus years. And now she doesn't have that person to talk to and like do all these things with. And so obviously she's sad and we've had a lot of conversations around it. But the one thing I always tell her is like, think of how sad you are. Like imagine how great those times had to be in your, those 40 years for you to be this sad. Like you have to embrace those emotions so you can move on to the, that next stage of grief. Right? So if you're just kind of like, if you just ignore those feelings of, of uncertainty and, and feeling lost, like you don't get that opportunity to move forward. You're kind of just like stuck in it. You're just like always thinking about how life is never going to be better and this sucks, blah, blah, blah. But if you just embrace it in the moment, understand how you're feeling, you can start to answer those questions of like, well, what do I do next? Well, shit, you know, for me, like I always had the idea of doing a podcast and, you know, I always kind of wanted to do like something with fitness training and maybe like online fitness might be the avenue I want to go in. So just starting it out. And that's, that's why we loved our sport in the, in the beginning is like, we were just trying it out. We didn't really know what to do and we were just doing it and we weren't you know, all naturals at it. Well, some of us were naturals at the sport, but it, it took time to develop those skills. I mean, think about when you first started playing football to when you ended, like how much better you became over that time and understand that like you can find that feeling again through something else. Like it's not lost. It's not like football is going to be the only thing that makes you feel alive and make you feel good. There's like, dude, there is so much opportunity and exploration in life you, you got to just go for it. I mean, I said this on the podcast with me and you. It's like, just go for it. 
and do whatever pops into your mind and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to look silly. Like, dude, we're all going to die. Who gives a fuck? Like, just do what you want to do and try it out. If you don't know, you know, say you would have never thought like, I don't really like music that much, but maybe I'll try it out. Next thing you know, 10 years on the line, like you love playing the guitar. You're in a band. You play every Saturday night at your local pub, like, and it's the highlight of your week. You know what I'm saying? So there's just so many things and so many opportunities that you can do. So yeah, I guess if I had to summarize it, dude, like embrace that emotion you feel when you're first done, because it it is truly not going to come back. And you know, understand that you had some fucking amazing times Mm -hmm. in your career and you went down the right path and you learned so much and gained these lifelong friendships, but understand that like, you just need to keep moving forward. Like movement is life and just take it a day at a time, man. Cause it, it does get better. That feeling, you know, time heals all wounds that that feeling does get better. Um, but it doesn't get better if you don't, if you stay static and, and don't continue to explore and do new things. Mm. Movement is life. It is so true. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why so many people love being involved with sports is because it forces you to move your body so much more than you normally would in a normal day. And there's something inside of us. I call it a primal instinct or, you know, something that's just literally wired into our DNA that uh, it's been a very short period of time in terms of, human beings existence since you know we've had couches and something to (laughs) cars and things to sit down on like constantly on our feet unless it was time to go to bed Mm -hmm. you know or hang out around a fire uh so i think we need to tap into those primal instincts and like you said movement is life and i think it's so important i i see people that just lose it and like these are the vital years it seems like to create the habits that will in the end create longevity like the ability to go on and walk with your grandkids and be able to walk up the stairs and not be out of breath and I think we've both rearranged our approach and mindset in terms of training and I want to get into the way that you've been training and honestly just just give me your mindset like what is what is your what what do you train for yeah since there is no end goal now yeah that's a really really good question and um for me i think it's a pretty simple answer it's really just to feel good like i yeah. just want to feel good you know like i want to <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say it like I want to make love to my girl and feel great like and feel loose and mobile and be able to like put myself in positions you know what I'm saying <laughs> and <laughs> I want to I want to be able to go for a <laughs> you like how I said that the first one that's yeah. really the first reason <laughs> um but dude yeah of course sex, I like right? how you said I'm gonna go for it <laughs> yeah but of course dude like sex is the number one and you can't like i mean dude it's such an important piece in life i'm not gonna shy away from it and such a beautiful part of my relationship and us being fit like obviously makes it 10 times better yeah but also you know just being able to like take a walk to the coffee shop or like go on a hike for a couple miles or like just feel good at work instead of 
feeling like shit and like your back is going to break or that your digestive system is off. So everything I do now is just how can I feel the best in this day? And then outside of that, there's a lot of interest and other things I sprinkle in. So obviously, like we talked about earlier, being aggressive and being explosive and violent, like I love it, dude. It's a part of me. It's just who I am. And um, I need to have some type of outlet to, to do that. So the weight room for me is that. And, um, I've been doing a lot of like landmine movements, which has been something that really allows me to display my explosiveness and be quick and fast and, you know, get under the bar and it requires my entire body in unison. So I love those a lot. Um, and then like hitting the heavy bag and stuff like that, you know, I'm, I think it's a dumpster drop. Oh, okay. <laughs> Scaring me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, man. I, I mean, I still definitely do a lot of boxing and uh, I'll practice like some roundhouse kicks, some front kicks, nothing crazy. Like I don't have a bunch of like moves in my tool belt, but yeah. enough to know that like if some shit went down, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, I do. I do a lot of that stuff. Um, but dude, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Like you caught me at a good time because I feel like I've really found my stride and my perfect plan for me. So I'll just take you through like an average week. Yeah, do it. Every day I will have some type of movement in, and that can be, you know, weightlifting or mobility training or playing basketball, whatever, but there needs to be some movement in my day every single day regardless of what's going on. So that needs to happen. Number one, two, I need to like figure out how much damage and how much stress do I want to put on my body throughout the week. Um, and that'll kind of vary depending on what I have planned. So like, let's take your week. For example, I knew at the end of the week, like we were going to climb for a little bit, like we were going to climb for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And that takes a lot out of your forearms and back and everything. So I'm going to make sure like throughout that week, I'm not doing three days of back or like really destroying my back. I'll just do like maybe some lat pull downs, some rows, keep it simple and then be fresh and ready to go for that climbing session. But, um, yeah. So going back to like just the start of the week, I will do mobility to start all my workouts. So we were talking about a little bit before I came on, but I'll do these controlled articular rotations or cars for short, and I'll do that head to toe. So this is all focused around joint health and making sure that they can move in their proper ranges of motion. And simply put, it's really just lubricating that joint, Mm -hmm. right? And making sure that it it moves properly in in all its ranges. So I'll do neck, shoulders, my hips, my knees, my ankles, and my wrists. Um, that'll be kind of my first thing. And then I have some certain injuries that I try to focus on a little bit more. So my lower back is one that, you know, at, in football, especially as a D lineman, like you're always on your toes trying to go forward, especially when you're taking on a double team that's like six, 600 to like a 1,000 pounds of force just coming onto your head and then your spine and then Oh, think of all those vertebrae just kind of like clacking together. So I think I have some degenerative disc in there, but mm-hmm. 
being able to move all the time and decompress that stress that I accumulate throughout the day has really helped a lot. Um, I haven't thrown my back out and like, you know, knock on wood right now (laughs) in probably like a year, uh, just based on, you know, doing all this stuff and making it a routine. Um, my lifting has been super low volume. So that's been something that I've switched up and that's something we can talk about. I used to train like six days a week in the weight room and you know us, like we just want to work hard and go crazy. And so that's what I was doing. Just like intense every single day, six days a week. Yeah. I got to be dripping in sweat to feel yeah, like you accomplished something. Exactly. Exactly. And it wasn't serving me at all. It was cool for a little bit because it was just out of football and I've never done that type of training. So my body reacted really well to it for probably like the first month or two. And then I reached this point and this is really like when I started posting and everything Cause I would do like when I would go to my dad's, I would do two workouts and film both of those workouts. And I would do like probably one or two sets on everything. But dude, by the end I'm like, Holy fuck, I'm dying. Like I'm dead. And it just got to this point where I'm like, dude, I got to figure something else out. And that really started my journey down the mobility route. So I mentioned cars and, um, the other thing I've been doing a lot of is isometrics. So when you look at muscle hypertrophy, a lot of times an isotonic movement is going to be better to really create that muscle building stimulus that you need. What is muscle hypertrophy? Just growth. Okay. So like muscle growth. Um, so think in like a bicep curl, right? An isotonic movement, you're coming up with the concentric going down with the eccentric, but in the middle of each movement, there's an isometric. So at the bottom, if you just hold it here and kind of squeeze, everything intense everything up that's an isometric and then at the top you can hold it there for a little bit and that's an isometric as well so the whole point is to like find these end ranges of motion in your joint and then put as much pressure as you can basically in that range um it's been a lot of fun and more mentally challenging than anything because it's not a lot of movements right Um, But anyways, going back to my comment about isometrics is what I was trying to say about hypertrophy. So like I was saying, the isotonic movement is going to be much better for hypertrophy. But outside of muscle growth, we got to look at our joints and connected tissue too. So we got to keep that healthy, the central nervous system. There's so much else involved other than muscles in your human body. And a lot of times when we don't take care of those other things, And the whole system fails and shuts down. Um, And that's what mobility training does for us is like, let's focus on healing and recovery and making sure everything is lubricated. We get blood flow to all these little nooks and crannies in our body. Um, And yeah, dude, that's, that's why I love the isometric training and the the cars. And I'm still exploring even more stuff uh, within mobility training to just learn how, how my body can run at its highest possible clip, right? Like how can I be as optimal as possible? Um, because you know, you get in this athletic pursuit and health, like when you first start out, you both, they're both kind of going up at the same time, but you reach this point where your athletic pursuit continues to go up, but then your health starts to fail as, as a result of that. And, you know, we're no longer athletes. 
but it's still fun for us. So I'm, I'm constantly kind of trying to like walk that line between the two. Um, but I definitely go more towards the, the health and longevity side now that I know we're not like training for a game or anything like that. Right. And that's the goal of life is be happy and feel good. Yeah. I mean, if those, if you're firing on those two cylinders, there's not much else that can really bother you, I guess. Like what is, what is your definition of, I guess, what is your meaning to life now? Like, what do you look to find in life? Cause this is, this is something that I've been pondering a lot. It's like, Mm. why are we here? You know? And I get deep in thought, especially early in the morning when I'm up by myself, like, why are we like, we're, we're just going to diminish one day and nobody's, you know, nobody's going to remember us after one generation. If we're, if, if that's the case and, um, like, so what are we doing here? And there's just, it seems like now that I'm in the real world, in the working force, I've, I've seen how miserable so many people are Hmm. and I've seen how out of whack people are with and out of touch with reality. Yeah. And it's like, how have people gone so long without coming to the conclusion that like, that's not the way to live your life. And I've been thinking like, it's hard to put your finger on what, what is the meaning of life? Like what, if you could paint your perfect picture, you got a canvas you could paint the perfect picture of what your life looks like. And, and these, I want you to bring like general concepts, not a family with a yard and that, yeah, like, yeah. like in terms of happiness and feeling good, what are these things that life is about in your eyes? Damn dude. That is a, that is a really deep question, obviously. Um, you know, just off the cuff and, this is really more of an answer, like a question I would want to answer yeah. by myself in like a journal setting to really give you the best possible version of it. But since we're talking right now um, and kind of where I'm at currently, my meaning for me is not about happiness anymore. So I heard you mention like that's kind of the goal is like to be happy and I get that hundred percent. I'm not like talking down on it or anything. Cause I used to feel that way. It's like, yeah, that's my goal in life. I just want to be happy, mm-hmm. but it's just like this, this point where we're never fully going to reach. Like what is happy, happy. And like, what is that amount that's going to be fulfilling to you? Yeah. So I've recently switched up my purpose less towards happiness and more towards wholeness. Because you can't have happy without the sad. You can't have good without the bad. You need both of those things to kind of complement each other. And, you know, I've been reading a lot of Bruce Lee lately. Mm. And he talks a lot about how everything is one. And that's kind of a huge difference between Eastern cultures and, and our Western culture is we're always othering things and seeing things as the other or this or that. Like, it's not all of us together to expand on that. What yeah. do you mean by it's not this or that? Yeah. So when I say that, like, let me give you an example, right? So say somebody like cuts you off in traffic. Right. And the first initial race, like fuck that guy. Like 
you other him, right? So you're like, that person did this to me, like, what the hell, blah, blah, blah. But if we look at it from an Eastern perspective, it's like that person is still a part of the human race. We're still one together. Mm. And understanding that maybe that is a reflection of me and kind of how I'm feeling, right? Like tying everything back to you and then tying everything in you back to the other person. That's kind of what I mean by wholeness, right? And one and creating this togetherness in my life. Um, not trying to get rid of the hardships and the struggles and the things that are a little hard to do, right? Like even just a small example, I like the fact that I don't have a dishwasher in my house. Same. Like it's, it's a weird hardworking thing for me that I like to do. Mm -hmm. Same. And I don't, I don't want to create this cushy life for myself that is just too easy. And it's just like, have everything handed to me. I, you know, I, I get all my food delivered in Uber eats and that type of stuff. Like I, you know, in addition to being whole, I, I want to have some type of struggle in my life and something to work towards. That's, that's valuable to me. Right. Like that's an, another thing that's tough to put a button on is like, what is valuable what is valuable to you? Like that's, that's a question I've had to ask myself a lot mm-hmm. and understanding like what, what is it I want to do with my life and how do I want to create the best daily routine and like day to day, how do I make it the best? Right? Like I can, I can work towards a nice house or work towards this or that, but like that shit really doesn't matter to you. Like you said, we're all going to just like wither away. We're castles in the sand. We just, kind of float away with time. So it seems like the only thing that really matters is like the right here and the now. So that's why I really Mm -hmm. try to focus on the day to day and just making it the best it can possibly be. Um, filling it, filling it with adventure and love and sometimes sadness and having hard conversations. And just like, like going back to that whole statement, I talked about giving advice to someone coming out of an athletics. It's like, just embrace it all, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll give that. I mean, obviously, it's a thought I think about a lot. No, that's a great answer. But how about you, man? What's your, what do you think your purpose is? It's a tough question. And that's why I was asking you because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I see that uh, vision board over there. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's a vision board and just rip through a bunch of magazines and really whatever I was attracted to put it on it. And a lot of things on there have correlation to things I want to achieve in my life and, and, uh, work towards and my definition. So more so the, the question I asked you and what you said is like, what, what do we hear? What's the meaning of life? And I said happiness at first and you, you did, you brought up a good point that wholesomeness is, is good. When, cause when you get fixated on a thing like happiness and something goes wrong, then it seems like things are starting to fall apart. Yeah. If you fixate on happiness, you may not be as, you might not be, I know what you mean. I, it's hard to put into words, but I, 
I do know what you mean, and I'll give that some thought. But for me, man, the meaning of life really comes down to my relationships. Mm. I think that this idea of life being, like you said, happiness, this kind of ties into it. Margaritas on the beach, like anyone can have a good time doing that. Like that's a lot of fucking fun. And uh, that's a good time. But that's the zero 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 point one percent of your life. Like, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? What's the first thought that comes across your mind when you wake up in the morning? What are the feelings you feel when you cook dinner with your girlfriends? Because that stuff is 90% of your life. Mm. You know, I think Jordan Peterson hit on that same note. Like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like, how is taking your kids to the school bus and things like that? Like, if you can maximize that, then 90% of your life is going to be really, really, really good. And when you play the numbers game like that, like, just maximize every single part of your day. And I think it comes down to relationships and doing things that fill your bucket. So if you have great friends, they're going to push you to do great things. For example, right here, right now, what we're doing. Also, when you do things that fill your bucket, it's a compound effect. So I think it all starts with surrounding yourself with the right people, though. And then these things will automatically happen. Like you said earlier, like... I don't believe in just luck or anything like I, I truly believe like the universe aligned to a point where you met that guy and he's he elevated you to a point where you could step take the next step in your career and then get your first gig as you know or second gig training people in person and making new connections that are going to do the next thing it's just when you make the right choices to surround yourself with the right people the the right things just start happening and i really do think that's just the point of life and happiness is a byproduct of that so control the controllables which i believe starts with hanging out around the right people doing the right things having the right conversations and then everything else that comes after that is really just what will in turn give you happiness and meaning to life um and that's that's really what I think. And, it, and it's kind of crazy. There's been studies that have come out that in terms of longevity, like a lot of it is tied to the level of relationships that you have. The, yeah. the, 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 meaningful relation, the, the amount of meaningful relationships you have in your life will in turn lead to how healthy you are at a, at a later age, which is absolutely incredible because it all plays down. It plays into how much stress is in your life. You know, if you have a good friend, you don't let you don't let stress mingle. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a, co- a tough conversation with them and and work through things that may be more difficult if you didn't have those people in your corner. And it's just so good. Like I know uh, T. Fred says this all the time. It's just like it's so good to have guys in your corner, like to know that you got guys in your corner that are coming. And like if you ever need anything. Uh, and Karen said this too, like she doesn't want to live in Cleveland her whole life, but she is so happy that she stayed here after. Cause she has these deep rooted connections literally in the earth here. And if she ever, you know, something's not working out, she could come back and like, there's no way that she'll ever end up on the street. Like she can come back and have 10, 20 people that would invite her in and do anything she needs. And I feel the same way about my relationships. It's like, 
it brings you a level of certainty and uh and and a wavelength to take these different risks in your life because uh you know that you have these guys and your friends and your family in your corner to fall back on when things don't maybe go your way or maybe they do work out and you don't need to fall back on them but it's so nice i feel like it brings you a level of certainty what that especially you're doing the right thing in your life and you're on the right path when you're surrounded around the right people. I could not agree more. What's that saying? It's you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Yeah. It's very true. And you ever seen the movie into the wild? Yeah. Uh huh. Do you remember at the end where he's about to die and he's writing out his last couple words? And one of the things he says is, happiness something like happiness is only real when it's shared and it's so true and impactful we are social creatures and think about when you're in jail what's the worst possible thing that can happen to you solitary confinement Mm -hmm. they throw you in there by yourself you don't get to talk to anybody you don't get to you know mingle and have fun it's just you alone with your thoughts And that can be great sometimes. Don't get me wrong. You know, there needs to be times of solitude and deep thought and reflection. But dude, you got to have social relationships that allow you to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. You're so right. You're so right. And it's like you said, 90% of life is like doing the dishes and like hanging out with your spouse, just watching TV, doing stupid shit, getting groceries. Like if you can make the mundane fun imagine how great your life would be 90 percent of your life is great it's amazing and i like i when you said that i immediately thought of like how much fun i have just going to target with carly or just like you know like i'm messing around like throwing balls at her like you know we're having fun laughing and giggling and it's just like that is so beautiful and such a beautiful moment of life and i i think something i've been trying to do as I've gotten older is really just like appreciate every moment for what it is. And I don't mean it in a sense of like when you're in the moment, you need to like really think about how much this moment isn't going to last forever. It's just like, you know, it comes into your brain and you're like, man, I'm really grateful for this. And then you go on living that moment and and enjoying it. So important. I, uh, there was this guy that I, I sauntered with for four months every day leading up to, or three, four, five days a week, some days six, sometimes six, with this guy. I got to know him so well. He would sit in the sauna for an hour and then go to an hour of hot yoga. He'd do like a bunch of hot yoga. <laughs> he did like a hundred days straight of two two hours of hot yoga. Just mystical creature from Montana who grew up in Cleveland and he was back taking care of his family. Mm. And he was talking about how a lot of his family was sick and how much he was literally a mountain man from montana and lived out there for the last 25 years always had a toothpick in his mouth just (laughs) a mystical creature and he was so full chock full of wisdom and this one time i was picking his brain about i love those deep sauna talks picking his brain about you know what he does in montana just to interrupt really quick like I love those deep sauna talks too, but I hate when you're like at 20, 25 minutes and the guy's like just getting into a good conversation and you're just sitting there like, bro, I'm about to pass out. Like, I, I want to stay know. here, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, uh, he was telling me how 
it was it was approaching winter time and he was telling me how this would be the time where he would start backcountry skiing by himself just hours on end through the woods and how it was his greatest form of meditation and what he loved to do. And I was like, and he was talking about how he missed it. And then he was, I said, well, you know, whenever you make it back there, it'll make it just that much more worth it that, you know, you suffered through those times of not having it. And he said, no, it won't. And I said, why not? And he goes, it'll only get as good as this moment as long as I'm present. And I was like, whoa. He's like, I'll I'll be as happy in that moment as I am in this moment. It's just the importance of being present. He's yeah. like, my presence is being tested right now because I'm out of the environment that makes me the happiest. But, or he's out of the environment that allows him to be the most present, which is his meditative skiing through the mountains. But he said, it just takes a little bit more bandwidth to be present in every single moment. And despite the things I'm going through right now, he said, I wouldn't say that I'm any less happy is that I'm still able to be in this moment. And whether I was skiing right now or in this, in this spot, I'm as happy as can be. And I was like, Whoa, like imagine the shift in mindset. If you could have his mindset and we're all capable of it, but imagine if he came back to Cleveland, wasted three years of his life, taking care of his family, but did it in resentment. Oh, I'm missing out on this. Oh, I'm missing out on this. You know, like what a tough time to go through, but your shift in mindset can allow you to turn a really horrible situation into something that's beautiful. Like he was just always pointing out the beautiful parts of the situation coming back Mm -hmm. home, even though his family was in his, his mom or whoever it was, was in rough condition. Like the ability to come back and spend more time than he has with her in years and, just such a, a unique guy that really seemed to have the whole art of presence figured out, which mm. is so important because I find myself doing things, even something, sometimes things that I enjoy and I'm just, what's next? Like, like, uh, oh, I'm going to get food after and then I'm eating food and then it's like, all right, I'm going home to, you know, watch this or do that. It's like very few times and I really have to take care of myself and do different things things and be uh very thoughtful in my approach in order to enjoy every single bite of a meal because i feel like we are just so different (laughs) you're good we are just so different um and our culture is just so on to the next mentality where it's difficult to sit there and be present in one single moment and truly enjoy that moment in the next one in the next one in that present moment because at the end of the day that's all we have. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's a beautiful story. I love meeting interesting people in random places. Like <laughs> the best. You're just like, where did you come from? And going back to your point earlier, it is, it seems like there is these certain things that happen in your life that were just meant to happen. Like this person was meant to be here at this specific. He was one of the reasons time. I started this also. Oh, like I want I wanted to have him on and then yeah. he moved back to Montana and I miss my I miss my chance to interview him. I'm like, that can't happen again. Somebody else is going to come along where I want to pick their brain, and I can't miss that opportunity. Yeah. So I thank I thank him for, you know, not not only the surplus of wisdom that he he uh, he he uh, told me, but also, you know, leaving and you know, 
it's funny how your memories are emotion based. Like he made me feel so good. So like when he left, I have all these memories from him because they made me feel a certain way, mm. like a deep level, like, whoa, he's right. Never heard it said that way. So when he left, I was like, wow, yeah, I have all these memories from this guy. I always thought about, you know, interviewing him because he'd have so much to say and I miss my opportunity. But now when it comes around again, I'll be I'll be equipped with the materials and the knowledge and the experience to interview someone. Yeah. Super that's, exciting. That's another cool part about this is you can have a structured, I, I don't want to say structured even, but just like, I think you put it beautifully earlier is in an intentional conversation with these people who are older than us and have gone through so many more experiences than right. us and has have this wisdom that they've worked on over time. And to your point about being present and how you, you know, there's certain times where you're like, what's next? Like, you know, you, like you said, you go and eat food and you're like, all right, what are we doing after this? Um, I think it's natural, man. I think it's very, very natural. It's almost instinctual for us to always want to move forward. Um, and it's really hard to change our current paths in the way we think, but the more we can just practice that awareness of taking a breath in the moment, like always coming back to your breath, dude. Like I know you're big into Wim Hof and you're going to a, a breath work class pretty soon. And you know, the power of breath and how, how powerful it is to bring your brain back to your body. That happens a lot. Our, our brains are constantly moving and thinking about external factors and other things that are happening in other areas of the world. But like you said, the only thing that matters is is the here and the now and in the present because you're not going to get anything else. Like this is what we were meant to do is, is be here in the present experiencing whatever is happening to the absolute fullest. Um, yeah, dude, that's a, that's a beautiful story though. Awesome dude. Well, Hey, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. I want to open up the floor to you to give any final thoughts, honestly, and, um, also give people your social media where they can follow you. You post a lot of Trevor posts, a lot of great content, um, in terms of mobility, joint health, and also just some simple, cool workouts with minimal equipment, um, lots of landmine stuff, lots of unconventional training that you're not going to find on a typical Instagram page. Uh, so give them your information and any final closing thoughts, dude. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. This is uh, the first time you're on Anyone Extraordinary. I find you to be extraordinary. You've made my life uh, so much better since meeting you and coming close after college. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to come out. And uh, I, uh, it won't be the last time. So I'm excited, dude. Uh, the floor is yours. Thank you, bro. And yeah, deepest appreciation to you. This is so cool. And I love having friends where we could have these talks and see you doing what you love to do and just going for it. So I love that man. And to your, to your point about having kind of a closing thought. So I sent you a, an audio message the other day. And like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been reading this book about Bruce Lee. And I want to talk about this a little bit because I think this is where we're in the stage of life. So he talks about this 
basically like an infancy stage, right? You're young. You're probably up to like 18. You don't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of doing it. Like it's just instinctual a lot of the time and going about your daily life. And it is what it is, right? And then you reach this point of learning how to do the art, right? Like I guess art of life, right? You're learning how to make this canvas and create your life. And you're asking all these questions and you're trying to find techniques, you know, for example, right? Like learning how to exercise properly or like you're going to that breathwork class or even what you did with that um, vision board, all these different tools, we're trying to learn how to compile them to make the most beautiful life. But we're fumbling and bumbling about because we don't know, we're not masters in these certain areas of life, right? Like we're still learning and a lot of times it's uncomfortable. There's so many doubts and fears that come up and just a lot of like uncertainty in the moment of just like, what the fuck am I doing? Or like, you know, frustration, all these, these emotions that come up during this stage of us trying to figure things out. And then after years and years of training, we reach this stage of what Bruce Lee calls artlessness. So this doesn't mean getting rid of everything you were ever taught, but not putting it at the forefront of your intentions. Instead, just relying on it is like your fiber, right? Like your moral fiber or your instinctual being. And going back to that playful child who is acting on instinct and who is just going about and living their life. So the reason I share this is to say like whoever is listening and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be someone close to our age, whatever you're feeling right now, whether it's frustration or confusion or whatever, know that you're in the right place. Like when I first read that in his, in his book, it just like, boom, lit up in me. I'm like, Oh, I'm on the right path. Like this is normal to feel like you don't know everything. And, you know, imposter syndrome almost like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be in this studio recording this podcast? Am I supposed to be posting online? But just know you're going to reach this point of like, this is who I am. I was so intentional with who I was trying to become. I did it. I achieved it. And now I can just live. Like I don't have to think about all these little details. Um, so that's what I'm trying to go for, you know, is, is being just so, like you mentioned, like being in the moment and I just want to live my life. And I'm sure there's not going to be, it's not going to be a smooth ride where I get to this point where it's like clarity and all I am is just in the here and now. I'm sure it's going to be a process continuously, but yeah, just, just going towards that stage of going about your life, man, and not thinking too deeply about it and just enjoying the process. Cause like you said, we're all, we're all going to be done at some point, whatever that, that time is. And what matters is how you lived your life and in those specific moments that make up it. And, uh, yeah, dude, I just wanted to share that. So yeah, I appreciate you, you having me on brother. Um, everyone can find me at more underscore movement on Instagram. Um, I'll be creating a new 
podcast Instagram soon too, which is exciting Sweet to start posting clips and everything, but I'll, I'll just like dual post with the more movement. So go follow me at more movement. Um, yeah, dude, I got nothing else, man. I appreciate you, brother. All right, dude, let's wrap it up. Thanks for coming on Trevor.